When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you're you're back on the East Coast now, aren't you? I am. I'm. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I, Ooh, all right. My my fiance got a job with American Airlines as a flight attendant and is based out here, um, in Charlotte. So we are here in Charlotte. Nice. It's a Charlotte's a college town, right? Mm-hmm. There, yeah. There are a lot of like when we the rare times that we do we do go downtown. Uh, we don't really know anybody here yet. So if you're listening yeah. to this and you live in Charlotte, please reach out to me. Uh, <laughs> but we do see a lot of college kids around and everything. There's two yeah. different. So there's two different uh, D one universities. There's Queens university and then there's UNC Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, high school baseball is really big here. Yeah. My I'm now a high school baseball coach, but like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You're, you're coaching high school baseball down there now. That is what I am doing now. Yes. Nice. And now are you just uh, doing pitching coaching or are you like the head coach? Yeah. I'm just the pitching coach. I'll work with the catchers too. Um, right. But yeah, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I keep moving down. I was with the Nationals in pro ball. Then I, you know, I had some, I was at a facility where I worked with pro athletes and college athletes and high school athletes. Then I went to a community college and now I'm at high school. Next thing you know, I'm going to be like a grade school, like PE teacher or something. <laughs> which I guess, yeah, I'll be coaching T-ball. Maybe I'll do that for my kids or something. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, uh, how's it going, folks? Uh, this is Bleacher Creatures episode 164 brought to you as always by XL Media, Crossing Road, Warwick Gaming, Elite Sports NY, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Max Greenfield is back. How's it going, Max? Good to have you here. Thank you guys for having me. I always so, love coming on. Yeah, so we have Max on for one reason. Uh, the Yankees are having a bad year. We're going to talk about the future for the Yankees. Everyone is going, all is lost, all is lost. Max, you and I are probably all alone in the boat together of, nah, I think we're okay. Yeah, I agree. I think the Yankees are re- like, this is, as we said before we came on, it's definitely a failure of the season. Like there's no yes. way to like spin this any other way. It's a failure of a year. Mm-hmm. And that reflects poorly on the whole organization. But ultimately, like if you had told me that next year, this team wins 95 games and competes for a world series, I'd say, yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I believe it. Like, for a couple of reasons. One, what we're going to spend most of the time talking about today is this the farm system is is really strong. It's yeah. probably it's it's in my opinion, it's probably the deepest farm in the league, but it lacks kind of that true top end talent that other systems have. Like the Orioles have a pretty deep system, but they also have the top end talent to go with it. The Yankees are filled with a lot of guys who are good, not great. Um, and then the other reason is there is like $60 million coming off the books this year. That much, really? Yeah. So they have Donaldson's wow. contract coming off, yeah. Severino's contract coming off, mm-hmm. um, Peralta, IKF, 
Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and then, then so, it all adds up, yeah. So then all of a sudden you like you start to look at it and you're like, oh, you know, it's actually like quite a bit of money is coming off the books. Um, so there's as bad as this year has been, there's a lot of actual reasons for to be somewhat optimistic for the future. I'm gonna come in with an immediate hot take. I'd be okay bringing back IKF on a one year deal. Honestly, I'm. If they do or don't, it really doesn't affect me too much. Like as a think, as a as a super utility guy, yeah, fine. Yeah, I like it, again. If he's like, yeah, I'll take a one year, eight million dollar contract. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I think, I think for me, like, IKF is a maybe. I'd probably Middleton's another guy like Middleton and Peralta. I'd see arguments for bringing back the bullpen's super good. Like, yeah, I know like that. I know there's arguments like, oh well, King and Clay blew it. Yeah, well, Clay th- is when you're. Paul O'Neill talks about this, or sorry, maybe Jeff Nelson talks about it. I can't remember who it is. Jeff it's Nelson's done a really good job in the yes booth, by the way. He he makes this point, and I don't always agree with everything that he says, but he makes a point that I do agree with, is if if you're a guy who throws a pitch that moves as much as Clay Holmes' sinker does, if you don't yep. throw consistently, it's kind of tough to keep it. And that's true. Like, yeah. I know that there's, like, people are going to be like, oh, how could you trust the bullpen? They blew it every time they actually get a lead recently. It's like, they don't the high leverage guys don't pitch very much. It's tough for them to stay fresh. Like it's, it's a hard job. But... I, I I just remembered. I think this was this, the 2007 or 2008 season. There was a good one to two week stretch in, I think April where Mariano Rivera just couldn't get anybody out. And that was because over the first half of the month, he just hadn't been used. Yeah, and he talked about, and Aroldis Chapman talked about it too. It was yeah. just like, he just needed to be used. He's just like, I don't, at a certain point, like, I don't care if it's a safe situation. If I haven't thrown in four days, I need to throw. Or, yeah. else, or else what you're seeing with Clay Holmes is what's going to happen. Like, there now, are certain guys who just need to throw. Now, like, now you're a pitching coach, like a simple bullpen or throw day. It's not the same thing, right? Not the same thing. No, like you can try and recreate it live on off days or you know, before the game and stuff like that. But in, in season that, I mean, especially with the grind that they play, you know, like having a guy throw a live BP in season is kind of pointless, right? Because if you need yeah. him, you know, the next day, it's like, okay, well, now he's only good for that day, right? So bullpens and, you know, side sessions and stuff is just not the same. They need to get out and as they, as, as David Cohn likes to say, toe the slab yeah, uh, every now and again. And it's, yeah, I mean, ultimately like, I think the Yankees free agent situation, it's really kind of like they need a rehaul of the position player core, which is why the farm system looks so good is because the top end guys who are the closest are position players for the most part. Now that said, let's kick off with the guy who's making his major league debut tonight. Everson Pereira, he drew a walk in what I thought was a phenomenal at bat, uh, worked the count full, had a really good take um, to make it, I think, 3-2. Uh, he also has an outfield assist already. Um, Max, you said, uh, I think you said on Twitter, you saw him as a center fielder primarily. He's playing left tonight. One thing I noticed uh, in his game logs, the Yankees have kind of given him equal time in all three spots. Uh, do you still think center is the best place for him? I only say that, I, I say that because Jason Dominguez, while immensely talented, I think most scouts and most people across baseball agree is probably not a center fielder. Um, He just, he's got the athleticism, but the arm maybe isn't there. Um, His routes aren't like amazing enough. It's just like, 
enough things have to go right for him to play center field. But Pereira, it's like, yeah, I can see it. Like there's enough people who are kind of like, you could give him a shot there and, and it might work out. Um, and so the only reason I say Pereira should play center field really is because it, Jason can't like, not that he can't, but it's unlikely that he holds it long-term, but Pereira might. And so you might as well just give him a shot now because Bader's not going to be here next year. Like, let, let's all be honest. He's not getting re-signed and my, nor really should he. My nightmare is the Yankees kind of sort of overpay him, but also he, it's like it's like a half half overpay, half hometown discount, just because like the defense is that good, but like they're just gonna deal with the injuries. I want to say like Harrison Bader's an objectively good player because yeah. he's amazing in center field, but I cannot stand watching him hit. It just it drives me bonkers. What a, what a, I know a guy who's a who's an Orioles fan, and this was years ago, watching watching a game with him, he would be like, Hey, hey. I'll bet you $10 Adam Jones swings at the first pitch. Harrison Bader's the exact same way. Yeah, it's just he swings like it's funny. He just swings too much like and he puts the ball on the ground too much and he swings in bad counts. And it's like today he popped out on a 2-0 pitch. I didn't really mind that too much. It's 2-0. Take yeah. a big hack like that's the time to do damage. But it'll be like w- like 1-1 and he previous two guys walked on like nine pitches and he's swinging. And it's like, yeah, why? Like, why it's, are you doing that? It's one thing if you're aggressive, and it, it's equally frustrating because because like I I've interviewed Harrison, my my little brother is friends with him. Uh, he's someone who's really takes his his approach seriously. I mean, there was a whole article I think from Chris Kirshner in the Athletic about how he switched to using the axe handle bat just so he could get that better drive on the ball. But it's like we're just saying the lack of patience. It's like okay, so how is that even worth it? Right. It's just a swing decision. So you, you evaluate offense. Um, in, in, in a couple of different ways, and I, I'm sure Alec can speak to this as well, is you evaluate based off swing decisions, so basically plate discipline and you know how hard you hit the ball, right? And pretty much like if you do those two things well, and how hard you hit the ball directly correlates to bat speed. I'm sure Alec can speak to it, that he had hitting coaches who were like, yeah, bat speed is really important. Yeah, I mean, like, so it's interesting because you look at some case studies that we've seen in the major leagues, and the one guy who stands out the most is a guy like Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Who seems like his, he's actually decreased his bat speed to make more consistent t- contact, and his average exit below and max exit below is down, but he's getting better results. So there's always kind of like that give and take with it. Um, but I agree with you, Max, in the sense that, like, yeah, it, when you're evaluating hitters, it's all about the – the swing decisions and how hard they're hitting it. And I think one thing that has raised a concern as I watch the Yankees, I saw it today. I saw it on Aaron Judge's last strikeout. Uh, Josiah Gray threw, I think it's Josiah Gray, right? Yeah, yeah. Josiah Gray. That's my threw guy. A, yeah, that is your guy. <laughs> threw a backup slider. And they had no chance of being a strike. No chance of being a strike. And Judge gave an emergency swing that was, you know, two hours too late. And I saw... I think Glaber Torres do that in the, I guess in the last series. He I, did do it in in, Bo- in the Boston series. It, yeah. it was like a high curveball, right? That yep. he swung at a pitch where it was like that had no chance of being a strike. So I, I feel like those like swing decisions, as we're talking about, like it, it's a good glimpse into what I think is the state of mind of Yankee hitters, and that's just. <laughs> It's all over the place. It is. I kind of agree with you, which when we can bring it back to prior, Pereira swings a lot. 
he he will swing a lot. Um, it's his kind of his mo is. But the thing is, like, if you swing a lot, you have to hit the ball hard because you can make up for maybe a little bit of a lack of contact or some bad swing decisions if you hit the piss out of the baseball, which Pereira does. He has a one fourteen max one fourteen point six max exit velocity or something like that. So that's yeah, really he had like a 476 foot tank the other day. If I'm yeah, not that's mistaken. On, on that ball. Like that's yeah. the exact ball. So like you look at that and you're like, okay, I can live with a little bit of swing and miss. I can live with some swing decisions. If like, you know, every ball is, you know, every ball, every four balls or so is like 110 plus. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that's fine. But you know, that's not Harrison Bader. That's not IKF. That's not Jose Trevino. That's not, you know, it is kind of DJ LeMayhew in a sense, but like not consistently. He doesn't have that kind of like exit velocity, that p- kind of power. But like that's the issue with the Yankees is they make poor swing decisions, but they don't have the power to make up for those poor swing decisions. I'd argue Jose Trevino at least has some potential. I mean, granted, he's a little bit older right now and he's coming off a tear in his wrist. But just from his first full season with uh, with the Yankees, uh, he's there's... I feel that he's kind of got the same problem Josh Donaldson does, where he kind of gets a little too twitchy in his butt and his legs, and that affects his overall swing. But when that bat cleans the zone clean, it cleans the zone clean. He can make some good contact. It's yeah, just, he he swings a lot. He swings a lot, and like I, I, I <laughs> That's tell what he does. <laughs> I uh, I tell every Yankees fan who bitches about Jose Trevino, Kyle Higashioka, Ben Roy, but I say, guys, it doesn't matter. They're just keeping uh, Austin Wells's chair warm. Let's talk about Austin Wells because Boone said today that they're keeping their eye on him. I personally don't think he's ready to be called up, even for a cup of coffee. Um, but he is playing pretty well in Scranton. What's the state of Austin Wells, and is he going to stay a catcher? So, I'm kind of on the I'm kind of on the fence with you. I, we'll see how he does like this recent hot streak. If it's like just a hot streak for sure. like a couple of days, or or if this is this is just you know him finally coming out right yeah um the power is legit with the bat he's a left-handed power bat and he can he can hit the ball pretty hard it's, um, it's a yankee stadium swing yeah it is a yankee stadium swing and honestly his bat to ball skills are, are pretty good they're not you know yeah. he, you know and on, he runs fairly well for a catcher he's 39 for 39 in stolen bases in his professional career pretty impressive <laughs> it's disgusting uh, <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting he doesn't he doesn't run often but you know he's, he's a solid base runner um, Wells's thing is, as you said, is the question is, well, is he a catcher? So from most of what I've read and kind of the data that I've been told is that he's really gotten a lot better behind the dish framing, but the yeah. throwing is really rough. Like and that's the problem really they've really had. Bad. That's the problem they have with Trevino is that the, the, so yeah, say, the they, they haven't had a good throw catch and throw catcher since Gary. Like they, yeah. And and even then, if you go back before Gary, it wasn't like McCann was solid. Martin was solid, but they weren't like amazing. They really have never. It was probably Girardi, if we're being honest. You're probably right. It was the last one who was like a really good catch and throw guy was probably Girardi. Yeah. And like, again, Alec can speak to it, but like of the three facets of catching, catch and throw is probably the least important. Mm-hmm. And he's really good at, re- he's apparently really solid at receiving if he's just slightly below average with blocking then you kind of live with the running game because again hitters base runners steal off the pitcher they don't steal off the catcher like if if the pitcher this is a problem with the yankees pitchers and you know 
I understand like it's different this year, your entire careers. It's been one way guys didn't really run as much as they do this year, but yeah. they're pretty slow to the plate. Like, yeah, really slow to the plate. Like watching guys like Garrett Cole and, you know, any reliever come out of the pen and they're, they're not quick to the plate at all. No. So they're not really given there. Like I know Higashioka isn't exactly like a stud back there with the arm and everything. And Wells certainly isn't either, but their pitchers aren't really given them much of a chance. And so, you know, you kind of live with that. Like, all right, as long as the pitchers are fast to the plate, then Wells's arm is an issue. But since the Yankees pitchers aren't, you kind of have to consider it a little bit more. And yeah. so I think he sticks at catcher though. I think the framing and the blocking are good enough to make it work. But I also think it requires, you know, Matt Blake and Desi Dreschel to kind of work in the offseason with their pitchers on, hey, you guys need to be a lot faster to the plate. Because how's, uh, how's, how's his durability? As far as I know, pretty solid for a catcher. He'll catch, you know, the, the minor league schedule now is, is quite nice, right? You yeah. Know, they play Tuesday through Sunday, and yeah, that's all. So as far as I've been told, he catches four games and then plays five games a week, essentially. Um, and so that's pretty good. Like, yeah. I think the think the hope for him is that he takes the bulk of the reps next year and then Trevino's there to catch Cole and play against lefties, essentially. I think if the, that yeah. happens, I think that's a huge win for the Yankees. And again, the Yankees don't need Everson Pereira and Austin Wells and Oswald Peraza to be like 130 WRC plus hitters and crazy good rookies and all that stuff. They really just need them to be average. Just, yeah. Just average. Because with their pitching staff, if they hit enough home runs and those guys are just average, it's a good baseball team because you have Aaron Judge. Yeah, because like, and Glaber Torres is a good player. Like, well, it, you you've been saying all year the Yankees have lots of decisions to make on Glaber Torres in the very near future. It 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 really comes to a, a head with you know Oswald Peraza kind of being back up. This is his shot, right? Yes, we've we've all kind of talked about how the Yankees have handled Peraza and the way they've handled him have led a lot of people, including myself to believe that the Yankees just don't really like Peraza that much. Um, and he's, not, he's not what you would find in a typical Yankee prospect that they like, right? Like he's he, right. Exit velos aren't like amazing. He's not slugging out of this world. Um, I, like I've been tracking him since at or about 2019, maybe even like a little bit, a little bit pre COVID and everything I've read about him Go even going back that far was like the glove is fantastic, the bat, lots of maybe. Yeah, there's there is a lots of maybe. Like best yeah. case scenario, he's Dansby Swanson, I think. Like that's okay. best, yeah. best case scenario. I think their comps are pretty similar. Worst case scenario, he's a probably gold glover at any three of the infield spots you put him in, and he's maybe like a 90 to 95 WRC plus. Still a solid player. Like right. that's it, that's that's the 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 floor here. But ultimately, I just don't think the Yankees like him very much. But I think he can be packaged in a trade for, you know, there are a few spots. So Miami needs a shortstop. Uh, Pittsburgh needs a shortstop. Milwaukee kind of needs a shortstop, but I don't think the Yankees line up really well for them. But one of Miami and Pittsburgh really line up. And I think there's options on both sides there where something could be worked out, where a deal a deal could be made. Yeah, plus Cashman's got the pre the pre uh, the pre existing relationship with um with Miami. Uh, They've almost traded for Glaber Torres two years in a row. So. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Glaber lives in Miami during the off season too. I think he does. I, I mean, a lot of those, a lot of guys, and you know, it's fairly close to you know 
some guys have, you know, uh, spring training sites and everything. Right. So it, it, yeah. it makes sense for them to live down there. Yeah. Uh, I uh, want to take some time to talk about a Yankees prospect who you, uh, you are ahead of us on this one. Cause I hadn't even heard of him until they, until he made the baseball America list. I I'm blanking on his name. It's the pitcher. Uh, uh, Drew Chase Hampton or Drew Chase Park? Hampton, Chase Hampton. That's the guy. Yeah. Chase Hampton. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you think he's a stud. Yeah, the, the stuff is amazing. I mean, just so Hampton kind of, kind of rose to power this year because he went to, he was in um, high a ball with, uh, I think it was Hudson Valley and he was striking out like 40% of hitters and it, yeah. it, it, it crazy. Just, I mean, he was striking out 40% of hitters um, walking like 5% of hitters. I believe he's actually pitching today. Um, so let me, I, I want to check how well he's doing right now. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm pulling, I'm pulling up his, uh, his stats for the year. Um, I'm just going to go check real quick to see how he had 139 strikeouts and 101 innings pitched. Yep. He punched, he punches out the world. Yeah. So, so hey, Alec, surprise, surprise, Texas tech university. There we, yep, there we Coll- go. College arms and international draft, man. Yeah. Uh, so Hampton today, uh, he he fin- he finished five innings, four hits, one walk, six strikeouts. So I think Damn. that's two scoreless outings in a row. Um, so if you go by pipelines grades, and or I kind of take pipeline with a bit of a grain of salt, but we, yeah. we go by pipelines grades. They have sixty grade fastball, fifty five grade curveball, fifty five grade slider, forty five grade changeup, fifty grade control, and a fifty five overall. I think that the fastball grade is pretty close i'd probably give the curveball and slider and control maybe a, a 55 or a 60 grade for the slider and curveball and a 55 on control and probably say he's like a 60 overall guy his mm. stuff is amazing yeah, i mean it's probably the best stuff in the yankee system he punches out the world doesn't really walk too many guys um his issue right now is figuring out how to go deep into games um and that's a tough yeah. that's a tough skill to learn um, yeah, that, that, that that's a gradual skill throughout the minor leagues. I mean, we're even seeing it. You see it with guys who come up, you know, right away and, you know, some big name pitching prospects. And even as guys get older, they, they have to learn how to navigate through a game. I think we, you know, his last start wasn't great, but I, I think we've seen Garrett Cole kind of learn how to get through a game a little bit more this yeah. year. And so the, Hampton's issue of he needs to learn how to get through a game is a pretty good issue to have for a double a pitching prospect who's yeah. last I checked uh, just 20. Yeah. He's 22 years old. He just, he just turned 22 years old. Like, yeah. And if, know. if there's one thing we know about the state of Texas is that they churn out arms at factory speed. They are. Yeah. The state of Texas is really good at producing baseball players. They are Pitcher, pitchers in particular. Yeah. So yeah. he came, he came from a good, he came from a good school and you know, here's the thing is the Yankees took him in the sixth round. This wasn't like a guy where it's like, Oh yeah, people were clamoring for this guy. This is kind of like a guy they took in the middle rounds and he really developed into something, which is something the Yankees have done really, really well. They are really good with pitchers. I know people yeah. are like, well then how come they haven't produced one in a while? Well, it's also because they traded them away last yeah. year and the and, year prior. And then, and then you see, and then you see Cashman calling Brian Sabian like, Hey, which guys can we get ready the fastest? Hugh Clayton Beater suddenly being a starter. Right. Clayton Beater's a starter. Yeah. Uh, Drew Thorpe looks like, I mean, I, he's got 23, I believe it's like 23 strikeouts on one walk. And, uh, his, like, his stats are, I was just looking at his, I mean, he's 12 they're crazy. in the minors right now with a 
262 ERA, and he's got 159 strikeouts against 34 walks. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. In 123 innings. Like, he's... This guy's... He's not a top 100 prospect for some reason. I really don't understand. Like, the thing for me was... So, his velo's always been kind of weird. So, he came out of Cal Poly, and he was, like, 89 to 92. Always kind of, like, ooh, yeah. right-handed arm. 89 Cal, Like, Cal Poly? Yeah. Played he's under smart. Larry Lee. So, he's smart, too. All right. Yeah, he, apparently, he's a smart kid. Um okay. I can say kid because I am older than him. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, he, you know, he's 89 to 92. With the Yankees, he's been apparently up to like 92 to 94. If he can get comfortably to like 93 to 95 and maybe even top 96 to 97, there's no reason that he's not a front-end starter for them in the near future. Mm-hmm. So his slider needed some work too. They kind of, you know, like he added some depth to it his last year of college. He's kind of even continued to refine it a little bit. But those two guys... If you hit on one of them, things are looking really good for your staff in the long run. If you hit on both of them, the Yankees are in phenomenal shape in their pitching department. I really like, I'm still high on Randy Vasquez. Like I really like yeah. Randy Vasquez. So by, by stuff plus, because once they hit the major leagues, we have stuff plus. And if you're listening, you don't know what stuff plus is. It comes from Eno Saris, who is a writer from the athletic. Yep. Um, and he basically created a pitching stat. That's basically, they analyze each pitch and they tell you hypothetically how good that pitch is. So 100 is average. By Stuff Plus, I believe Randy Vasquez, he throws five pitches. Four of them are at 100 or higher. So he throws like a, a fastball at 106 Stuff Plus, a sinker at 108, a cutter at like 112, and a slider at 131. And then a changeup, which Enosaurus admits that Stuff Plus is not very good on, that he hasn't really figured out how to make sure it accurately grades it. For example, it gives Tommy Canley's changeup a 100, which would mean it's an average changeup. And we all know that that's not true. Yeah, um, no. And so, and he gave that pitch like an 85. So as, he as, really flashes five above average pitches. Uh, I was about, I jinxed it. I was about to say, as Tommy Canley induces a pop out on a, on a changeup, and then it fell in and fell territory. Darn. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we said uh, Chase Hampton... Uh, Drew Thorpe and who was the other guy you mentioned? I Randy Vasquez. He's Randy he's made, Vasquez. Yeah, so he yeah, made yeah, some no, 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 no. Uh, it was uh, down in the minors. Uh, minor league. Another arm down. Uh, in the oh, minor. Clayton Beater. Yeah, Clayton yes, Beater. Clayton yeah. Beater. Yeah, who who he also pitched tonight uh, and had typical yeah. outing, lots of strikeouts, but also lots of walks. Yeah, he's he's a reliever more than likely. I think. Agreed. Uh, I think the Yankees are are right to continue to try and make it work as a starter. But here's the thing: is he's trying to start in AAA and. If you're listening to this and you have not looked up the International League and then uh, I can't remember the West Coast one. I Pacific think Coast the, League. The Pacific Coast League. You should look at the run scoring environment because an average ERA there is like 5.2. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Crazy. Have, you seen, have you seen the Texas League in double A? It's there. The the offensive environments for some of the minor league teams, minor league conferences, leagues like they're crazy. So. It's kind of like we saw like with Will Warren, right? He hasn't really been the guy like people were hoping he would be this year. But it's also like, man, in, in AAA, it's it's brutal. Like it's if you have a sub 4.5 ERA, you're doing things right in AAA, which is kind of why I'm on this train of like if you're a, like for Drew Thorpe and Chase Hampton, if they figure it out, they should just skip the AAA. There's no reason for them to go because it's it's either going to affect their stuff because the balls just move differently down there or it's going to ruin their confidence. Like a large part of this is just, you need to have confidence to get guys out and stuff. And if you're going there and getting shelled all the time, like 
man, that could really ruin things for you. Well, theoretically speaking, let's look forward because the rotation next year, Colin Rodon at the top, one, two. Clark Schmidt's sticking around because he's really adjusted and looks great in the second half. Yeah. Um, you've then probably Nestor will probably be Nestor's there. back. Yeah, Nestor's probably gonna be back too. And then the five spot, it's a toss-up between I'd say any of the guys we just talked about. Correct. So here's my kind of like hot hot take. He hasn't thrown a pitch for the Yankees this year, which is why I would do this. If Frankie Montas were willing to take like a sub five million dollar deal, I'd sign yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's the worst that happens? Okay, I wasted four million dollars on Frankie Montas, who at one point in time was one of the best pitchers in baseball in the hopes that, you know, he would recover off his injury and be good. And, and then, then worst have... case scenario, he's a mop-up guy out of the pen. Correct. And then I have four guys who can start in his spot. I feel like that's worth a conversation. I know people will be like, really? He like sucked for the Yankees. Who cares? Like he's basically going to be freaking Montas. He... Listen, I know that trade hasn't worked out as with many trades they have made yeah. recently. Uh, and that's a conversation for another day, but yeah, they traded for a guy who at the time, was basically a top 10 pitcher in the league. Yeah. It was worth it. Like, I understand people like, well, you knew about the health risks. Yeah, but they needed to take that chance because that rotation right. was, was fumbling on them in front of their eyes. I, I say, I've Alec, what, I, what I've been saying all year is like every single one of Cashin's mistakes that, or one of the things that's turned out to be a Cashin mistake in the last couple of years, go back to when the deal actually happened and tell me it wasn't a good decision. Yeah, you could see the logic behind it. That's just- yeah. Pretty much, right? Like, you, the worst deal he made was the Donaldson deal. I think we can all agree to that, that that was, that was, in theory, the worst one. But even then, even then, in theory, Josh Donaldson was supposed to be the best player in that deal. He was yeah. supposed to be, like, and he was yeah. supposed to be an upgrade. Again, the year prior, he had a 20% strikeout rate with a 10% walk rate. Really good. He was pulling the ball the highest he had been. He had hit more fly balls than he had ever hit in the past few years. For all intents and purposes, it looked like, yeah, he should absolutely mash in Yankee Stadium. And like, C.J. Abrams just mashed going around the foul pole. Did he really? Yeah, he did. 345 feet. He's, having, he's been playing really well recently. Yeah. Those are scrappy, man. They are. Yeah, they're playing really well recently. He's not a shortstop, but, like, that's fine. He made a pretty good play in the field today, though. Yeah, he's he's still not a shortstop. <laughs> where, where do you where do you put him? In the second base. He's a second All base. Right. Yeah, shortstop, second base, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's how the it, Yankees feel clearly. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, let's, sh- well, actually, let's not go off that point real quickly because I noticed something when I was looking at least on the prospect uh, page for the Yankees of the top ten prospects they have in their system. You know, sixty percent of them are either outfielders or shortstops. So it makes you wonder what their plan is for the infield in the next, let's say, five years, because guys like that Lombard uh, Jr. and then the uh, Robert Arias. Yeah, yeah Arias. Like, you know, they're not slated, according to this, till like 2027. But and they got Sweeney, too. And they got, yeah, they got Trey Sweeney. So I, like, I'm convinced that Trey Sweeney is going to be traded at some point. I'm kind of with you on that. Um, I think the Yankees, so here's here's the thing. If you can, if the best player on the board is a shortstop, you can always move him, right? Yeah. Like you can always find a different position. I think I, I, I forget who it was. They said if you can play shortstop, you can play anywhere. That's generally correct. Like, yeah, Oswald Peraza is going to be a really good third baseman if that's where he ends up because he was a really good shortstop. Yeah. Which would honestly, if that's how it works out, would be so funny. It would be so damn funny. Now, Volpe's been pretty good at shortstop, so I can't, I can't be mad that much. 
but it would be so funny if they continued to play the better defensive shortstop out of position. It's just like their MO. I mean, I mean not, like they they that with, not like they already did that with A-Rod or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, just play the best defensive shortstop at shortstop. Um, but yeah, I think um, it, if you have the chance, so like when they drafted Sweeney, I remember the draft of Sweeney was kind of controversial because a lot of people hadn't really heard of him. But yeah. numbers guys really liked him because, again, high exit velocities, high contact rates. And they thought, you know, well, he's got some problem hitting velocity. That really, his velocity problem has not translated. It's not really that. It's just kind of a consistency issue. Like he has like a good two weeks and then he has a bad two weeks and he can't really ever seem to put it all together. I think you're right that he's kind of generally just a trade piece. The numbers are still good. They're still fine. They're not like out of the world or anything like that. Um, you know, he, he's fine, right? Arias has yeah. really kind of taken off this year. At one point in time, he was considered like one of the five best international prospects in his Switch signing hitter, class. Right? I believe so. Um, yeah. Very yeah. fast. Good, good, good athlete. Really good athlete. Um, so, you know, I, I, but he's years away, right? right? By the time he's ready, good chance that one of the, you know, Peraza Torres combo is probably not on the team. Um, and by then, yeah. most certainly DJ LeMahieu is not on the team, right? Like, right. And the Yankees are about to be stuck with him because his 10 and 5 rates kicking after the season. Correct. So uh, it's funny. <laughs> LeMahieu. I'm conflicted a little bit on LeMayhew. Oh, uh, he's my wife's favorite, so you have no idea. So it's it, the contract he got. I remember being like, "Ooh, I don't like that." Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like how long that is. But it's Hal, right? He, he's, you know, there there are ways that you have to manipulate money to make Hal happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of them. They were clearly extending out the deal just so that way they didn't take too big of an average annual value hit. And his AAV is fine. It's like yeah. it. It is what it is. It's fine. It's just fine. And his AAV for what he is is also fine. But it's like, are you really hoping that in year three of the deal you're saying it's fine? Like, it, you were kind of hoping by like year five you were saying that, not year three. And so I think the Yankees, their hope was Oswaldo Cabrera could kind of fill that utility role that IKF has been and DJ yeah. Lemayhu has kind of been. And he just, he's not like, I like Cabrera. I think his positional versatility is really strong. I, he's struggled in the outfield, but in the infield, he can play third, second, short, all at a above average clip. Um, his lefty swing. I think he just, he just makes bad swing decisions. Like if you throw him a high fastball, he's out. Like he just, I don't know what it is. He can't handle it. Fastball in the uh, low slider. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 he'll swing at it every time. Like, do you do you think that there's a path to redemption for him, a la someone like Didi Gregorius? Yeah, he's still young. He's like 25. Yeah. Like he can okay, still figure what, it yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. Like I I know this year has been an absolute disaster for him at the plate. It's also like the Yankees never really gave him any extended run in AAA to kind of figure it out. Um, and that that hurts too. Like he's not getting everyday reps and everything like that. Uh, I feel like that's been the greatest injustice the Yankees have done to their prospects in the last five years is the, the yo-yoing effect between, you know, the major league level and AAA where you don't let these guys get into any kind of comfort and routine because, you know, like I look at a guy like Esteban Florial, it's like, well, we know he can hit AAA and you give him a 10-game run in the major leagues and he struggles and you send him right back down 
to a scenario where you know he's going to succeed in because he succeeded up to this point. So, like, you know, we saw it with, like, Clint Frazier. We saw it with some of these guys where we thought, hey, this is going to be the next group of young kids who are going to come up and keep the window open. And they just – they never gave him a fair shot, which I'm afraid is what's going to happen with the next – like, Cashman has not shown the capability of learning from certain mistakes, so I'm afraid – that that's something he's going to do with the next crop of young talent. We've already kind of seen it with Peraza, but as you said, like it's evident that they don't really like Peraza, but they're doing a disservice to themselves then because they're not showcasing, okay, what can this kid do so that he can become a more valuable trade piece moving forward? Yeah. It, it, there's some arguments of like, I think for me, the thing with Florial is I just never thought he was all that good. Like he swings and misses so much. He does. And it's again, it's not the it's not the Pereira thing where it's like he's got generational power. Pereira has that generational power where you take that chance. Florial does not have that. Yeah. Um, and he's got his swing and issues issues are way worse. Way worse. And it's it's still an issue. Like it his numbers are good at AAA, right? I'm not gonna deny that he's not having a great year there, but it's it's still the same problems. Yeah. So why am I inclined to believe that anything's changed? It's just like, I understand that it was like, well, he's only, you know, he's only gotten a cup of coffee in the big leagues. Yeah. And that cup of coffee, it comes with really high swinging strike rates, really high chase rates and not great, you know, bad at ball quality. And so it, it kind of just leads me to the same thinking like, well, is he, has he changed? And the answer is no. I do agree with the sentiment like that they need to figure it out with the prospects. Like, What's crazy is they didn't used to be like this. Like the 2017 through 2019 teams were built on the idea that they called people up and gave them opportunities. Like that was why those teams were good. And at some point along the line, they just kind of abandoned that. And I, I still don't know why they opted for veterans over young guys. And it just never really made a lot of sense to me. Like last year there after August, Oswald Peraza should have been up and playing shortstop every single day. He should have been the shortstop yeah. every single day. Now, I know that there were some discussions between the front office and, and the coaching staff, and that kind of led to the indecision on Peraza, that there were basically just people didn't agree on what to do, um, which is another problem. Uh, but yeah, you just, you got to let these guys play. And then they did it with Volpe. And listen, I think Volpe's going to be good, yeah. but it was kind of clear that he wasn't ready in the first couple months, right? Yeah. Like, it just... I know that people will, will cite the chicken parm thing as like, oh, he got dinner with chicken parm. You know, Austin Wells had chicken parm and like he fixed his swing. I kind of think that's like mostly bogus. Like he kind of went on that hot streak and it was a lot of just like, mm, he's still chasing a lot. He's not really hitting the ball all that much better. I think this is just kind of like some luck going his way. And then he struggled again. And then his most recent run, it's been a lot better. Uh, not chasing as much, doing a lot better handling off-speed stuff. Because if you throw him a fastball, he'll crush it. He can handle a fastball. It's he just doesn't he hasn't figured out how to adjust to the slider, adjust to the curveball, adjust to the changeup. But that that said, he is recognizing pitches coming out of the hand better. Exactly, which is a good sign. It's like okay, the contact quality against those pitches isn't quite there yet. But he's not chasing them as much as he used to. He's now starting to realize what those pitches are. That's a good sign, which means the contact quality will come eventually. Yeah. So that's good. But then again, it's like I go back to well, they gave Volpe run, and I understand that that was partially not a baseball decision. Um, the guy from New Jersey grew up playing shortstop. His favorite player is Derek Jeter. 
<laughs> Come on, like yeah, we all okay. know that that's a part of it. Like I, 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 I could smell the NJ.com coming off EMX. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it, it just that's part of it, right? The local kid yeah. gets it, gets the shot, right? Um, even if I, I believed Peraza was the better option from the get go, I, I, I still kind of believe that. I certainly believe that he should be playing shortstop, but that's as I said, it's kind of their yeah. mo. Um, but yeah, I, I'm concerned. It's good that Pereira's here. That's a yes. good first sign. And if Wells comes up in September, that's another good sign that they're changing, right? Yeah. I think the reality is that Cashman survives this. Um, well, he just, he just signed a new contract. They're, they're, they're not going to let him Correct. Uh, he signed a new contract. And, you know, we, we can talk about which mistakes he learns from and which mistakes he doesn't. But you don't survive this long as if you don't learn. He does learn. He yes. does do a good job of adapting enough, whether it's to the extent that he should or shouldn't. That Again, I'm not here to discuss the full ins and outs of Cashman, but like prospects wise is something that he needs to improve on. Like they need to commit to playing these young guys. Now, if I, if I may, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. There are still moves that they can make where playing the young guys might not matter. You know, if they, if like if they signed Matt Chapman in the off season, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> that's Alex, that's Alex nightmare. He's a great defender. And I think the Yankees who are notoriously before this year had been pretty good with hitters and like getting a kind of an extra tick out of them. I, I still believe that they kind of could, but I'm a little less inclined because their hitting situation is yeah. up in the air at his, the moment. His bat is not going to save this team. That's all I'm going to say on that. No, it, it's not. No. Um, I think there are other signings that they could make. I think, you know, listen, they're going to be in on Otani. They're not going to get Otani because Otani's yeah. going to the Dodgers. Like, or the Padres. <laughs> no, he's going to the Dodgers. Like, it's like a 90% chance he's going to the Dodgers. Yeah. Like, why, why wouldn't he? They, he goes to the best-ran team in the sport, the team yeah. that's always competing for a title, and he gets to live in the same house, make even more money, and still keep his kind of quiet life because the Dodgers, generally speaking, do a pretty good job of making sure their stars are protected. I was also, I, I was out with the, the Dodgers. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, sorry, I was out with a Do- I was out with a Dodgers uh, friend, a Dodgers fan friend of mine last night, and he was lamenting at kind of how even though the Dodgers are still going to make the playoffs again, how it seems like there's almost like a decliner transitionary period. And I said to him, "You have to understand, Mike. Even at their worst, the Dodgers have always had a great player development system because didn't they? I what was it, like four consecutive National League Rookies of the Year were the Dodgers in the nineties. Yeah, they they've been long. You know, they had some ownership change in there, and where it was rough for a few years, but for yeah. basically thirty uh, something years, they've been extremely well ran. Yeah, and listen, before this year, the Yankees were the same way. I mean, the Yankees weren't always haven't always been the best ran team, and you know, in my opinion, but they've always been really well ran. Yeah, until recently, um, and listen, so that's why. The Yankees will make a run at Otani. They won't get him. He'll go to the Dodgers Correct. because they're the Dodgers. That's just how it is. They also cut yep. like 70 million in payroll to make it happen. Yeah. So, and the Dodgers are, listen, they kind of do something that I think the Yankees need to, first of all, they play their prospects, right? Yes. They're, they're really good about that. James Outman, obviously Bobby Miller, the heath of pitching prospects that they've called up, yep. you know, Miguel Vargas for a bit. Uh, I think they just announced Michael Bush is coming up too. Um, mm-hmm. That guy's been raking this year. 
Yeah, like they play their prospects. So that's one area to learn. Is that the other area to learn is that you don't have to do things. You don't have to sign players just to appease people. The Dodgers let Max Scherzer walk, let Corey Seager walk, let Trey Turner walk. And all of it has worked out so far for them. And that's pretty damn impressive. Because if you told me that a team let three guys, one of them is having probably the best offensive season from a shortstop in since A-Rod, essentially. Um, one of them was arguably the best shortstop in baseball entering the year, and the other was a Hall of Fame pitcher, and they let all of them walk, and they were still going to win their division with ease, then I would tell you that, goddamn, they must be doing something right. This okay. somehow turned into a Dodger thing, but, like, yeah, <laughs> they, they, the Yankees can learn from that of, like, hey, man, you don't always have to bring guys back. You don't always have to re-sign guys. Like, think of all the guys that they, like, re-signed or brought back where it just didn't work out. But they did it because, like, they felt some sort of pressure. So, like, that kind of – Josh has heard me say it a lot of times. Uh, you know, I feel like some a lot that the front office and Cashman like to kind of gaslight the fan base. Yeah. And I feel like Cashman and company – have a lot had don't have their finger on the pulse of the fan base because as you said like you know yankee fans are kind of similar to dodger fans where they're very passionate but a lot of them are very smart they know what it kind of takes to be a successful team not just in the immediate but for the long run so like yankee fans wouldn't be so discouraged if certain guys walked because they would feel like there would be a game plan in place to to in place to replace those players. Same thing like with the kids being called up. It's like, as you said, Peraza should have been called up a month ago. Like these kids should be having opportunities a little bit sooner than maybe what they've gotten in the past because we need to know what we have in the young crop. We need to know what these kids, how these kids are going to play into the future of the Yankees. And we've watched mediocrity from this team. And let's be honest for the last year and a half, and yeah, it's just like one of those things where I going back and summing it all up, Cashman has lost the pulse of the fan of the fan base. And that kind of just ties into, as you were saying, like making moves where you feel obligated to make the moves. It's like, no, be honest with the fan base. The fan base is smarter than what you think. And they're willing to accept some of those risky moves rather than you trying to be like, oh, no, we have a team that is good enough to win the World Series. We would have won it in 2017 if not for the Astros. It's like, come on. Now you're just insulting our, our intelligence. And that's I, what my dad off the most. <laughs> I, I, I think two things on this. One is it's funny that you, you say the finger on the pulse thing because Lindsay Adler wrote an article today and it got a lot of hoopla, but I thought it was Great article. extremely well written and kind of it kind of sum, summed it all up, is that they kept making moves that they thought would appease the fans that they thought would do so, right? People clamored for more contact. So they brought in guys who make more contact. They didn't bring in good contact hitters. They just brought in guys who make contact. Right. And it's kind of hilarious that this offense now is the most reliant it's ever been on home runs because the guys who make contact aren't very good. I, the, so, I, I, I had one problem with the article. She she kind of like criticized the stand move, and I was like, oh, okay, but like that wasn't them caving to the fans. That was literally... Derek Jeter calling Cashman saying he's not approving a trade anywhere else. Do you want him? Essentially, 
Right. So I don't think it was like criticizing the making the move. I think it's criticizing how it's played out. But I would also say I think they expected to win a title by now. Yes. I don't blame Stanton for turning into what he's turned into because I think the Yankees expected to win by now. Yes, this was always part of the risk. However, I see people today saying, oh, I hated that they made that move. Why? They got the reigning National League MVP for nothing. Yeah, we nothing. We we make the joke in the ESMI Slack chat that that was very much a but it's Zava move. If you watched yeah. Ted Lasso, yes, I I have only seen like an episode or two, but I've heard that show is great. But yeah, it's like yeah. it's you make that move because you should. And what's once I saw somebody say it was like, yeah, I would have killed Cashman if he said he didn't want to trade for John Carl Stanton because of Starling Castro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You would want to strangle the man because if he didn't do that, you'd be like, why are you passing up on, at the time, probably one of the five best players in baseball because you don't want to play. play Max, Max, I'm going to, I'm going to share this story with you because I know you, you are engaged right now. And this happened to me at my bachelor party. And I hope this happens to you at your bachelor party, whenever that may be. I, I was in Montreal, Canada with like seven or eight of my guy friends in middle of December. It's snowing. It's like dead cold. And we keep getting notifications on our phone, like, oh, the Yankees are, gonna, are about to trade Giancarlo Stanton for uh, Sterling Castro. All around the table, like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no yeah. way. And then sure enough, it actually happened. So You couldn't uh, believe it happened. Yeah. Like, it was so like, there's no way someone would just give away the reigning MVP for essentially nothing. A bag of balls. Yeah, it was, it was nothing. So... I think the, the criticism on other moves was, was that, so with the Donaldson, is, is it was $50 million worth Josh Donaldson. No, you could have spent that money on Corey Seager, right? Like you could have yeah. just given him that money or you could have given it to Carlos Correa for one year and yeah. then let him do whatever, whatever. it is, right? L- um, let his leg do the thing. Right. But so bringing it back to like, you know, not reading the pulse of the fan base. I don't think it's Cashman. I think it's Hal. Cashman only does what Hal tells him to do, right? If Cashman disagrees with Hal, ultimately that doesn't matter. He has to do what his boss says. And so Hal kind of spoke to all about this offseason and drove me goddamn mad. Is like, we're we're not too reliant on analytics. We're not, you know, we're, we're really balanced on scouting. I hate the phrase balance because it implies that if I have numbers that say this, I should have a scout that says something else to balance it out. That's not how it should work. It should work in the sense of my eyes see something that maybe the data doesn't see right now, but we can maybe find it in the data. Or the data says something that I don't see with my eyes, so let's go try and figure it out. Everything should lead to the same point. <laughs> oh, that, Alec, what do you want to say? Just based on that, I just want to say I did call the resurgence of Christian Yelich a year or two early, but I saw the numbers first. And I was like, he's trending in the right direction. If he keeps it up, he's going to make a bounce back. So, boom, balance. Hire yeah. me, Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point is, like, the Yankees lost that somehow. Yeah. Now, I've heard reports that some there's some dysfunction in the front office that some people don't feel like they're respected and, you know, other opinions and everything like that. I can't speak to that. But when I hear Hal saying that there needs to be balance, I know that they're going about it the wrong way. There is never a time where you should ignore objective data. The prospects are proof of that. The prospects are objective data where it's like, hey, these guys are good. Yeah. Like, they should play. It's and like, they have say, been say what you want. That. Say what you want about Hal. Say what you want about Cashman, about any decision making. 
The prospects alone mean that someone at on 161st Street and River Avenue, someone in that building is doing something right. Right. Uh, there's There are people in their player development department who are doing things right. And yeah. the data supports it, but also the eye support it too, right? Like you watch a guy like Jason Dominguez play and you're like, damn, that guy's really good. Like pipeline rated that guy is like the 81st overall prospect. That's crazy. That's nuts. I just really do. Like if you have him outside of your top 40, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like yeah. the guy's like really, like I can understand, like there's still some swing and miss issues, though not as prevalent as they used to be. Um, yeah. He had a great day today in his first AAA game. Oh, um, I, think, I think he went three for five with like a homer, a single, and a, a double. Because um, uh, we were just talking earlier, like, you know, credit all to Dominguez for the abysmal start to his season and what he's done in the past two months. I mean, like you said, strikeouts had cut down a bit and he's still stealing bases. The power has kind of come back. I mean, yeah, I know, I know people are so quick to – write him off because of the whole hype that's surrounding him but yeah ebbs and flows man ebbs and flows prospect life is tough well it's not even just his prospect like i'm like here in philly i had to have to listen to these idiots on the radio just you know denounce trey turner and i sat there back in may being like he's gonna be fine he's going to be fine and look he's one of their hottest hitters in baseball like that baseball was hard people it's a hard it's a hard game and like listen We've seen it happen to the best where they just go through stretches where it's like, mm, that's weird. Like guys just struggle sometimes. And so I think that's good for prospects. I think it's, I think this is my like weird hot take about prospect evaluation is that it's good for prospects to struggle because you need to see how they respond. Yep. Yeah. You need, you need to see like, Hey, yeah, he struggled for a while now, but he really came out of it a lot better. I think that's the case with Dominguez is he's coming out of it. And this is probably the best version of Dominguez that we have seen yeah, in his time as a prospect, uh, and you you were right, three for five with a double and three RBIs on a run scored today. Okay, did he hit a home run or no? I can't. No remember. home run. No okay. home run. That might have been the other. Jake night. Lamb um, had a home run. Still around. Yeah. Uh, sticking with the, Max, sticking with the Yankees prospects, Spencer Jones is getting a lot of hype. Uh, I like look, him. Yeah, looking at his numbers, there's lots of strikeouts, but it's also his first full year of pro ball. Um, where do you think he's at in his development? So I'm shocked he's not up at Double A now. Um, right. given the fact that they caught up Dominguez. So I think that happens at some point this year as he gets up there. So Jones is freakishly athletic. Big guy. Big guy, too. Freakishly athletic. A really, really, really good athlete. Um, so essentially when he was drafted, everyone kind of said the same thing. It was like, oh, hey, lefty Aaron Judge. They were similar. The exit velos are similar. He can hit the ball 120 miles per hour. He's done it before. Um, he's way more athletic, Mm -hmm. much faster. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but probably a better defender. Like he could play center field in the big leagues and be a center fielder. Um, swing and miss is a problem as with most guys, his size, right? Like you just kind of understand that that's a thing. Uh, the other problem is that he's got a bit of a swing path issue. He has too many ground balls. Um, he hasn't fully tapped into his power yet, um, to kind of get that ball instead of hitting a, you know, 111 mile an hour ball right at the second baseman. That would be a home run if you had just elevated, right? Yeah. He's, you know, he just needs to figure out that part of his game. In my opinion, he's probably the best prospect in terms of ceiling. It's him or Dominguez, but yeah. I love Jones because plate discipline's already somewhat there. He walks enough. Um, it's only going to get better. And he's just so athletic. 
he so like I said with Dominguez, it, it's a matter of like I just don't think the fit in center field is there. I think for Jones, it is. I, I think he's a center fielder. Like I, I mean, he, I mean Vanderbilt too, and that that place. I mean, right. speaks for so, itself. You know, he he comes from a good program. You know, what's funny about Jones is he was not brought there to be an outfielder. He was brought there to be a pitcher, but he had Tommy yeah. John. Um, and so they kind of just said, hey, man, like it's not going to happen on the mound. So they put him in the outfield because he had a good arm, obviously. Um, and he just raked his last like uh, two years there. And obviously he's now with the Yankees. I think there's a good chance Jones figures it out sometime. I think he's a good offseason candidate, like uh, like a guy who goes in the offseason, goes to driveline or something like that some facility and gets a lot better it sounds like he's also kind of like slowly becoming part of judges inner circle because apparently i I forget who reported it once spring training started first thing he did was track down judge and say hey like we're about the same size what's your training routine what's your diet what do you how do you stay healthy what's this what's that so it sounds like like judges yeah, judge has, makes sense judge to often, learn from him. I mean, judge often has has like his guys, if you will, come out and just hit with him in California in the offseason. Like Tyler Wade goes there still. Joey Gallo was there uh, last offseason, I think. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe Spencer Jones joins that club this winter. Yeah, I, I, Jones Jones is exciting for me because I, I see the ceiling and I see a guy who's a multi time all star. I didn't listen. We talked about like how the Yankees don't have that top end guy. They don't have a guy where it's like, yeah, that's an MVP. Like, I don't even think Jason Dominguez is that. And I don't think Spencer Jones is that either. Like, they don't have a guy where I'm like, that guy's going to win MVPs and stuff. Um, Now, again, I don't think anybody said that about Aaron Judge. And look at what he turned into, right? So it can, right. I think the general consensus on Judge when he was a prospect was, yeah, he'll hit 240, 250, but hit a bunch of bombs and (laughs) that'll be that, right? You know, but no, obviously, like, you, you never know, right, when guys take their, you know, things seriously um and not to wrap it or back around to the dodgers i just apparently i'm a dodger fan with how much i love <laughs> uh but they had like eight guys go to driveline this year and mookie betts was one of them max muncie was another guy and like yeah they also dramatic improvements from it if spencer jones goes and does that he could he could turn into a guy could turn into an mvp if jason dominguez does that he could turn into a guy that wins an mvp like you just never know. Like guys can take jumps out of nowhere. Volpe essentially was that, right? I mean, yeah. when he was drafted, that pick was heavily criticized. Yeah, yeah, he was heavily like, criticized. oh great, he's a utility infielder. Right. They were like, mm, not a shortstop, can't man that position. And there's still some yeah. questions there. His arm strength is still not not amazing, yeah. um, but his range is really good. He can go get a baseball anywhere on the field. He make he goes get some baseballs where I'm like, wow, I'm kind of surprised he got that ball. Yeah. Um, so. He's got the range part down. And listen, arm strength is something that can be improved upon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, you just never know. Like, I mean, how many people had heard of Chase Hampton coming into this year? I, you, had, you, you had to remind me of his name tonight. Yeah, uh, so, like, you, you really don't know when guys take leaps. Now, you know, on the Yankee side of thing, you can always assume that some pitcher is going to make a leap for them just because they hired Sam Breen years ago. And since then they just, they randomly pop up with pitching prospects. Like guys will just be like, Oh, that guy's good all of a sudden. Now who's he? Sam Breen. He's the director of pitching. So he, he basically oversees all the minor league pitching and everything like that. Um, Whatever they pay him is not enough because they're really good with pitching. Was that because that, that was not, no, because Matt Blake came over from Cleveland. So he, Breen was a driveline guy. He used to be the director yeah. of pitching at driveline. He got okay. hired in 2019 before Blake was even hired. Um, right. And then 
from my from my understanding, Breen, you know, they were looking at a pitching coach and Breen recommended Blake, um, who had just become the director of pitching over in Cleveland, actually. Um, and yeah. in my conversation with Matt Blake, when I met with him, he basically, when he told me the story was like, yeah, like I was like, why are they talking to me about their pitching coach position and everything like that? Um, and he just said that ultimately that's what they decided to do. I don't think they regret that choice at all. I, no, I, 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 think I love Yankees, Matt Blake. I think people were like, well, look at how bad Seve's been. And that's a conversation with another day. But like ultimately the Yankees pitching staff was even the reason that they were still relatively in contention till recently. Like, yeah, I, I know that it's kind of fallen off the wheels, but like Matt Blake has done an incredible job there. I mean, and so was Sam Breed. Yankees are really good with pitching. Their prospect, the farm is good. Baseball America yes. rated it 11th overall. That's roughly right. I think they're in that 10 to 15 range. It's a yeah. good farm. They're, they're an upper tier system. And one thing Correct. that needs to be considered also, because you've mentioned a couple of times, Max, how they don't have like the MVP candidate. This is a team that has been successful for a decade plus. So they're not getting the top slot, you know, Correct. draft picks that the Orioles are getting with, you know, Jackson like, yeah, like, like like until teams are allowed to trade draft picks, which they should be allowed to do, like that's not going to happen for the Yankees. I agree with you. Like I, yeah. I think teams should be allowed to trade draft picks. Yes, I, the Yankees. Whenever people talk about, it, it was like, well, look at how much better this Orioles system is than the Yankees. Think about all the guys they traded in 2021 and 2022. Think about how they don't draft all that high. Think about how much they have to do to get these. You know, how much work they have to do to get these guys into good prospects. And you start to realize, like, man, the Yankees are really good at player development yeah. really good at player development but they the just stopped that those players don't play for the Yankees. correct they just stopped trusting it for some reason <laughs> that's what blows my mind like i was gonna be bitter about tyro estrada josh don't look at me like that i actually am a, i'm i kind of so like outside of tyro like they really haven't traded a guy who was like ezekiel duran durant so here's the thing what i say about duran is like he was nowhere near what he was, what he is now. Like he added yeah. like three miles per hour on his average exit velocity. He started putting the ball, you know, less on the ground out of nowhere. Like just props to Texas and to him for turning him into a really good hitter. But what he was with the Yankees is his likeliest outcome was not this. <laughs> like yeah. it was, it was not turning into this player. Uh, so, you know, got to give him, you know, some props there in that regard. But yeah, Tyro kind of hurts a little bit, but also not because like labor has been there at second base for a while. And so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that he's good and then let him go. But also they do have labor there. So it's, eh, it's kind of okay. Yeah. But like, again, generally speaking, like we talk about Cashman's mistakes and some, some faults and everything like that. If the Yankees let go of a player, it's rare especially a prospect that they turn into anything. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my editor likes to say Brian Cashman has never lost a guy that he absolutely couldn't lose. Correct. And that's again, 25 years in the industry. That's impressive. Like never, never losing a single guy where it's like, Oh yeah. Like that, that one hurts a little bit. Yeah. Like, no, like that, that's impressive. So it all comes back to like, they just got to play them, right? Like if, if you know, you know, like if you know that some guys aren't going to be like what you expect them to be, I, I, you have information that we don't have as a public, right? We can't make that assumption. But at this point in your season, like you might as well just play them, right? Yeah. Like, see what you have. They don't, they clearly don't believe in Praza. Well, you might as well just play them as you just grounded out to end the game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. They couldn't hit um yeah. as is the ooh, rest of them ooh, that was a weird hop 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just just play them, right? Like, there's there's no reason. And the farm system's good. Like, if you don't believe in Peraza, okay, well, you still got Pereira yeah. and Dominguez coming. I was very Bells impressed as well. with Pereira tonight. He just hit the crap out of that baseball. Um, yeah, yeah. That's was... what he does. That's what he does. Like, he will hit the ball hard. He, yeah. defense, you know, defense to Peraza there, though. He hit that ball 107. It, he did hit it hard, but he's got a very flat swing. He's just hits the ball on the ground too much, right? Like it's just it's just a matter of if you hit the ball hard, you try to hit it in the air. Like ground balls are outs, and that's the problem with the Yankees' contact quality right now. I t- I tweeted today is like the Yankees, like yes, the strikeouts have been climbing in recent weeks, but for the most part, that hasn't really been their problem. Is the strikeouts the problem? Is when they put the ball on the play, they put the ball on play either a shallow pop up in the air or a ground ball. Like right, over, and, un- and unless that, and unless that ground ball's finding a hole, it's useless. Right, and they're not. Yeah. They're not finding holes. And again, most often than not, they're in just in Major League Baseball in general. Ground balls are still relatively out. Like I know the shift restrictions have changed that a little bit, but yeah. generally speaking, ground balls are out. And so the Yankees have not done they they do and they don't do a good job of like getting guys to elevate and celebrate. Like that's Atlanta's whole offensive philosophy. Uh, and it's amazing. They oh literally just tell gosh. their guys like, Hey, pull the ball in the air as much as possible. And they do. And they hit absolute nukes and score a lot of runs because of it. Austin um, Riley. That's my guy. Riley rakes, Acuna yeah. rakes, Olsen rakes, Eddie Rosario's come around. Um, yeah. Lando Garcia. Oh, what a, a fun team, too. They're yeah, they're really good. They got some flaws. Like here's a, like, I think that's also what makes the Yankee season so frustrating is in the American League there really isn't a team that's running away with it. Like I think the best team in the American League is probably Texas, but I'm not sold on that. Like no. the Astros are coming up on them pretty quickly, aren't they? Well, they've got swept by the Mariners this weekend, though. So it's like all oh, that. It's, no team. Every team has flaws, right? So it was yeah. really <laughs> easy to be like, "This is the year that they could finally." Uh, Alec, it's it's like you said last episode. Ex- except for the Dodgers or Baltimore, or whoever, nobody's having a good year. <laughs> yeah, it, nobody's it, having so, a good time this the, year. The fans of every team, except two teams in the MLB, are having a good time. <laughs> Kind of like look at Tampa. Like they start off red hot and now they've been playing like sub 500 baseball for a couple months now. And then yeah, their, their, their best player was also involved in something horrible. But uh, so did, did you did you hear they took down all of his posters at the drop today? Yeah, that's not a good sign. No, it is that's not. not good, it is not. I don't know why we're laughing about this. It's terrible. It's awful. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I. But like again, as you said, two teams. It's the Dodgers and Atlanta. Like if you're yeah. if you're an Atlanta fan, if you're an Orioles fan, you were feeling really good until your owner spoke the other day. But now <laughs> you're not feeling so good. I wait, feel I feel wait. genuinely bad for them. Wait, wait, wait. What happened? So you didn't Angelo, hear about this? Oh, so he basically admitted like unless they raise the price, he said unless they raise the ticket prices astronomically, they won't keep all of their car. Oh Jesus! Christ. Imagine admitting to that before half of them are even up. And, and like, he's not—he's ta- not talking about three hundred million dollar contracts. He mentioned like two hundred million and one hundred and fifty million. Like he just—he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen unless yeah, we raise he, prices. Um, imagine how good the Orioles could be if John Angelos just stepped away, promoted Mike Elias to president of baseball ops, and let him choose a GM. Imagine how how good Baltimore could be again. If they just said, "Yeah, I'll sign whatever." If he just pulled like a, if he just were like, "Yeah, I'll be the Dodgers. I won't go Steve Cohen level, but I'll be the Dodgers." Yeah, the Orioles would run baseball for years to come. 
years yeah. to come. But instead, now it's like, all right, they got to win in the next three to five years, or it's not going to happen. They got to win in the next three to five years, and they got to pay some pitchers good money. Yeah, but they're not going to. They're not like. Let's yeah. be honest. I'm I'm fine with Carlos Rodon being a Yankee because I love him as a pitcher. He was uh, weird tonight, but like that was yeah. a guy I wrote in pen was going to be a Baltimore Oriole. Like I was so stunned that when it came down to his market, it ended up being kind of just the Yankees. That blew my mind because the Orioles just didn't want to pay him. And we're talking about prospects. God damn. Their best prospect in baseball was Gunnar Henderson entering the year. The second best was Jackson Holiday. <laughs> and it's like, imagine having the two best prospects in baseball, and then your owner basically just told the fan base, like, yeah, but we're not going to keep him long-term. Oh, okay. Anyway. I'd let's, be devastated. Uh, I can't wait for Adley Rutschman's a Yankee, so. Dude, I love Adley, so that's <laughs> great. I, I, he's, he's oh, a, drop the mic. Okay. Yeah, uh, Josh and I have a buddy who's a Phillies fan. He's always quick to remind us that JT Real Muto is the best catcher in baseball. And I'm like, dude, not for long. <laughs> no. Not even now. I think I would yeah. probably it's it's him or Will Smith, like yeah. Adley or Adley or Will Smith. That's that's the uh, only. I love Real Muto. I think he's probably like low key, kind of like on a Hall of Fame path, but like not anymore. Like he's not he's not the best catcher in baseball. Anymore. Was for years though. Yes. Was for he years. Still do it defensively, but that bat has. It's slowed. It's what what do you expect? He's like, what is he, 33 or something like that? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh real real quick, Max. I uh I meant I wanted to ask you this. Uh um, I wanted to make sure to ask you this. We've talked about Clay Holmes earlier. I'm gonna put you on the spot right now. Next year, closer. Is it Clay Holmes or are you gonna give it to your guy, Johnny Loisaga? As much as I would like love the fame of Loisaga, here's the thing. I think in terms of the way the Yankees operate. They trust Loisaga more than anybody else. I yep. think that's pretty clear. Like if they're yeah. if when he's healthy and they're in a pinch, that's the guy they're going to. Yeah. Um, and I think for good reason, right? Like, in my honest opinion, he's probably the best reliever that they have. And so down. do you want your best reliever to be your closer, or do you want your best reliever to be the guy where it's like, hey, we're in a tough spot? I think it's the guy you want to be in a tough spot. Like it's like the, it's like the David Robertson conundrum. Correct. So it, like remember when that they had Chapman, Miller, and Batances. They yeah. kind of used Batances and Miller just like, hey, go go get out of a situation, and then Chapman closes it out. They have the opportunity to do that with basically King, Loisaga, Canely, you name it, right? Like, like, like they, they produce relievers like it's nothing, so it's, yeah. it's fine. Like they can, they, and so they should keep Colmes in the closer role as long as like they feel comfortable with that. I really have no issue with that. Um, and so I would keep the Weisga in the, like, Hey, it's the sixth inning, go get us through the sixth with two guys out, you know, with two guys on and one guy out. And then if you can finish the seventh too, that'd be great. Yeah. Like that's his role. And that should be his role. He also looked really good. He's looked really good since coming back from it. He, he really has. Like, he looks like his 2021 self. It's so funny though, because he's getting all these swinging strikes and he's getting swings and misses, but he's not getting the punch outs. He got a punch out today. So that's a good sign. But like, I, I look, he'll throw 18 pitches in an outing and 16 of them are just sinkers inside where he's like, just hit it. I dare you. <laughs> like, just, try, just try to hit it. And his sinker is, it's back to that 2021 form where it's, mm -hmm. not, it's not running. It's just heavy sink. Like if you hit the ball, it's you're jamming your thumbs. You're, you don't, like it's not hard hit at all. It's Zach Britton special. Yeah, it's 
that's where it's at. The curveball is back to that 2021 form too. It's got that sweep to it. He's basically throwing a sweeper at 86 to 88, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, he looks like his 2021 self. I would. Here's what I would do if like I were Brian Cashman or if he gets let go, whoever runs the Yankees, whatever happens, I would go up to him and just be like, how do you feel about like a three-year 11 to $12 million extension? I'd give him that because if he's healthy, he's worth way more than that, but he's not consistently healthy. So he would be more inclined to take a deal that maybe doesn't pay him a ton. And also you're not paying a reliever an ungodly amount of money and still feel good about things. Like again, they clearly love him. They, they would not use him the way that they do if they did not love him. They do, right. and they should. He is, talent-wise, probably the best reliever they have. And, it, it, I mean, it's him or King, like, it, in my honest opinion. I love Clay Holmes. I think he's really good, but it, it's him or King. Um, yeah. And it's because of that ability to, for the most part, go into a situation, get out of it, and then be able to work beyond that, right? Because right. um, they were both starters at one point in time. Like, they are re- starters turned relievers recently. I know Holmes, that they Holmes about- was a starter? No, King, King. Oh, King, King. King. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's funny, here, here's yeah. the thing about I, I love about Clay Holmes is um, when he was with the Pirates, they all said the same thing. They go, that guy has the best stuff on our team. Why does he have such a high ERA? Why can't we figure it out? And I, you guys will remember this too. When they traded for him, boy, was that trade hated. Unpopular deeply unpopular trade you go back on that jeff passing notification you're gonna find a lot of really cold takes about clay holmes and again i understand that recently like uh, it hasn't been super sharp and everything like that i get that but also like he's been really good for as a yankee like you cannot argue that he hasn't been like amazing as a yankee he's just been everything yeah he's been real he's an all-star yeah and again they traded a guy who I'm not even sure he's in the league still. So I don't, I don't even remember who they traded for him. Uh, what's his name? Like Jung Ho Park or something like that. Oh, uh, oh, oh, um, uh, Hoy Park. Hoy Park. That's it. Yeah. There's there's a Jung Ho Park somewhere out there. I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to be uh, uh, offensive, but the uh, <laughs> yeah, Hoy. They traded Hoy Park, who was like tearing it up at AAA, and everyone's like, "Why is he not getting the call?" And then they traded him for Clay Holmes. And, oh my God, people wanted to murder Cash. <laughs> <laughs> Just another day on Yankees Twitter, right? Just, just, uh, just another day. But that trade has worked out. Um, yeah. yeah. I think the ultimate thing for me is the Yankees, when it comes to the bullpen, when those guys become free agents, if they didn't extend them, they should just let them walk unless they can right. bring them back for cheap because they've proven the ability to develop relievers like Absolutely. it's nothing. And that's part of why ultimately like, I come on the outlook that the Yankees are fine is because of that ability to develop relievers. You always know they're going to have a solid bullpen because they're so good at it. That's a, that's, that's such a, as a manager, you know how nice it is to be like, yeah, my starter doesn't really have it, but I can go to my bullpen and I can bring out Ian Hamilton, Jonathan Lewisaga, Michael King, Tommy Canley, Wandy Peralta, Kenyon Middleton, Clay Holmes. It's nice not having to agonize over, over the decision. And it's like the worst guy in your bullpen is Albert Abreu and he's fine. Like yeah. the worst pitcher in your bullpen is like an average pitcher. Don't, don't let him That's, come in with runners on. Don't just, yeah, just don't let him pitch with runners on. He can't do it. I don't, yeah. it's so funny. Like if he's, if there's nobody on base, dude's perfectly fine. As soon as somebody yeah. gets on base, he like crumbles. It's so funny. But yeah, yeah. that's that's a reason for optimism is that the Yankees are so good at developing relievers. Yeah. Another reason for optimism. They're really, the farm system that we just spent the past hour talking about, believe in this farm system. 
yeah. I want, if you take anything from what I've said away, it's like believe in this farm system. There's something there's something brewing here that's really good, and they just need to let them play. Uh, Max, let's oh, let's, let's close out with this. Um, Aaron Boone, do you fire him? So I think he gets canned, yeah. but I also want to say that I don't think he deserves it. He's fine. Like he is not the reason that they are as bad as they are. Like not even not even one of like the top five reasons that they are as bad as they are. But here's yeah. so here I'll give you the arguments for both keeping him and letting him go. Um, for letting him go, they make a lot of base running mistakes and fundamental mistakes that reflects yes. on coaching staff and that reflects on the manager, right? So right. if you believe that they need to tighten that up and you know maybe they've been a little lifeless recently, letting him go makes sense. And I can if that's the reasoning, I fully understand that. The reason for keeping him is he does go to bat for that team all the time. Yes. He is now people will be like, oh, he's a delusional optimist. He has to be. This is such a negative game. Like, right. imagine you're a player and your coach goes out there and goes, yeah, we suck. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, these guys are yeah. terrible. There's no reason to believe in them. Why would you ever want to play for that guy? Yeah, that like, who, who who is that? The, the old Cubs manager in the 80s who just pretty much cursed out the fans and the team in a, at a press conference. Don't know who that yeah. is. Uh, uh, my time, but like, Lee, Lee Elia was his name. But yeah, it's like look, look that up. It's wild. So he he defends his guys no matter what. Two yeah. fault maybe, but like you want to play for a guy like that. You want to play for a guy who who goes out there every day, and you know what? He always has your back. Again, like, unless unless yeah, like unless during exit interviews, like well, because I I assume Alan Gash conducted exit interviews with players. At yeah. the end of every season, they always uh, do. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, unless during exit beers, the the players are overwhelmingly no, no, no. Screw this guy. He's not it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, he has one year left on his contract. Let him be a lame duck. If, if listen, I also here's the other thing I want to uh, point out is I think Boone's a fine guy. Like yeah. he goes out there and faces the media every day and does a really good job of being honest mm-hmm. and also defending his guys and kind of trying to you know blend that line because it gets tough i know fans don't want to hear like the the it's right in front of us and stuff like that but he's got to say that stuff right like and yeah here's and here's the other thing too is as a player you just want to know that your manager believes in you and from what i've gathered the players love Boone. yeah they, they do. really they really like playing for him and i know that he hasn't gotten tossed recently but like that stuff fires them up. That stuff makes them feel good that he always goes out there and has his players backs and stuff. And so yeah. that's the reason to keep him is that the players really like him and they, they want to play hard for them. The reason to let him go is that they're a little lifeless. Maybe a change in voice is good. And the fundamental mistakes have been piling up this year. And that reflects on him. Well, r- whether it's Rachel Balkovic or if you don't like him, Don Mattingly, the... I, I would prefer to stay away from Mattingly. I think I... I think there are good candidates, though. Um, yeah, I, I mean, for, for, managers just don't yeah. matter that much, too. So, I mean, Magley, I, I just feel like uh, this is 100% a hunch. I feel like he's kind of got that Joe Torrey thing about him where, yeah, like it's not a sexy hire on paper, but he just has what the team needs at that current moment to succeed. So this is what I, I kind of say is like pe- people, there are people who still clamor for Joe Girardi. Uh, please let go. No, no, never Girardi, Joe Girardi again. No. Girardi was the right manager for the teams that he coached. 
Yep. He was. He was the right manager. He was not the right manager for the team that was developing in front of him. He was not. Mm-hmm. They. And here's the thing. I read a study the other day. And it, it, again, as a coach, like I really take these things to heart. I'm always trying to figure out how to be the best coach I can be. And it basically said that, you know, when you respond negatively to a situation where a player makes a mistake, they're then in the immediate moment, if nobody picks them up, essentially, in the first five minutes, more likely to make a mistake in the immediate after set and then have long-term negative effects if nobody picks them up in the first five minutes. Gary Sanchez. Girardi was that, right? He was a, you know, old school, get in your face kind of guy with the players. And that worked when it was Derek Jeter, you know, Alex Rodriguez, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, right? That worked for them because they were old school. That's what they came up on. But, you know, that style of like yell a bunch and getting guys' faces, that's been out of coaching for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, a really yeah. long time. Just watching Girardi uh, manage the Phillies, you could tell he's also he... proof that he the game had passed him by. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, I I remember I actually wrote this for ESNY, like right after he got fired. I said, hey, from from a Yankees perspective, this was inevitable. And I the thing I pointed to is like when you when you are pretty much getting screwed out of a game by Angel Hernandez, and your approach to him is to just kind of lounge your way, take your time out of the dugout to go argue with him and not even really argue with him because you're like, yep, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. Okay, bye, walk back. And here's the other thing that we have to remember about 2017 is he made arguably the most costly mistake I've ever seen outside of not bringing in Zach Britton, uh, a manager, which by the way, if you're thinking, well, maybe they'll hire Buck Schulter, please don't do that, um, is game two, ALDS, Mm-hmm. Gary pleads, pleads with Joe to challenge the Lonnie Chisholm foul ball. You see Gary being like, I know he fouled it off, but because they didn't trust each other, he lets it go by. Four pitches later, it's a one-run game. If if Joe had challenged that, Chisholm was out. The Yankees win that series in four. Yeah. That that affects you. You have no idea how that affects things going forward. I'm not saying that the Yankees somehow win the 2017 ALCS because of that, but that's an extra game, right? CC's not now. CC can go, you know, maybe game one. Maybe CC can, you know, all of a sudden. And CC was still really good at that point in time. Like, like, like the, the, the pitching that, calculus gets rearranged. Correct. You know, you have CC, Tanaka, Sonny Gray. Who is their fourth starter at that point uh, Sevi, that's right yeah you have all four of those guys now a little bit more fresh a little bit better and maybe yeah. that's the difference remember they lost a couple games in houston real close yeah and, very and very close we all know what was happening back then so if just a few things go differently in from that decision maybe things change and so bringing girardi back was just never really an option he was not no. the right guy for that team maybe the, boone has lost lost it right maybe the, he's no longer the right guy for the team i don't know that i don't think anybody on the outside can really say that because we're not there every day we don't know what the clubhouse dynamic no. is like um so if they do decide to move on from boone i'd love Valkovic to take the job she's not going to but like shelly duncan has been the AAA manager for a few years uh no her. no this, this is his first year his first year he, he was the manager he was the manager at uh he was he was a manager at one point in time for one of their affiliates. Um, maybe, maybe in single A. I, maybe yeah, maybe. maybe. But yeah. he's been with the organization for a while. They're clearly doing a good enough job, right? There yeah. are other people to hire. Uh, you you could give Matt Blake a promotion, and that would be fine. Um, yeah, I think 
there are options, right? If they do decide to move on from Boone, I I, I think the the immediate one that comes to mind is Joe Spot. Like, yeah, it's time for him to manage a baseball team. Is he still in Houston? Yes, he's still in Houston. I was genuinely shocked he did not get a manager job this past off season. Like, yeah, there were so many available, and all of them interviewed him, and for some reason, none of them hired him. Now I know with the White Sox one, he basically pulled himself out of it, which was interesting, but. I mean, I, they, they they fired was, Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn today, so they which long time coming for that. Uh, uh, I, in the group chat, I said, "Holy shit, they actually did it." I wish I I agree. I was genuinely yeah. shocked that it actually happened. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think if Boone lets let's go, I think the guy I would be on the lookout for is Joe Espada. I think that's and I wouldn't hate that hire. No, I think he's fine. Like, we, yeah. listen, he he's learned under Girardi. He learned under AJ Hinch, and he's learned under Dusty Baker three managers with three very different styles. And that's good. Yeah. You kind of like, you get that diversified background. Also, you know, it's, it's a good hire because he's comes from two organizations. Well, maybe not as data heavy as the Yankee should be, uh, but like yeah. he comes from Houston, which is obviously a very data heavy organization and dusty who is batting Jeremy Pena second um, <laughs> for some weird reason, but like he gets, he, Again, you look at Espana's background and it's diversified and there's a lot of different options. Yeah. So ultimately, if they do decide to move on from Boone, if I were a betting man, that's who I would bet on to yeah. get the job. And Speaking, I think he'd be worth it. Real quick note on the Astros, just from the Abreu signing alone, I'm so worried they're about to become the Cowboys of baseball. Just like keep paying old dudes again and again and again. The Abreu's, it's still amazing. They won a World Series. And they chose to keep their manager over the the guy who built the team that won the World Series. And now yeah. I understand that like a lot of that work was done by Jeff Lonho, Uh and that James Click, you know, he really, but what he did was built that bullpen, right? Yeah. And that's what Click did. And that bullpen gave up like one run the entire postseason. Yeah. And somehow they did, the owner decided to stick with Dusty, and Dusty is a great dude. I'm not not debating on how good of a person Dusty Baker is. He's a great yeah. baseball guy. But that blows my mind. And now Dana Brown's fine. He's nothing. Yeah. He, it's early in his tenure. I got nothing against the guy. Early returns. Gave up kind of a lot at this trade deadline. But they're the Astros. They, they're they pretty good. I mean, how many people had heard of Yiner Diaz before this year? Exactly. Not that many. So they're really good at what they do. Um, unfortunate to say. Uh, so it still blows my mind that they, they chose the manager over the GM. The guy who like... Like, I don't think anybody can debate. The GM has way more impact than the manager. At this and point, yes. Like, it, yeah, 40 years ago, no. Uh-uh. Like, the manager had way more impact than the GM did, like, 40, 50 years it, ago. It's kind, of, it's kind of astounding how the power structure, like, like football, it's coach and quarterback. Uh, and baseball used to be owner and GM. Now it's kind of evolved to uh, president of baseball ops and GM. Yeah, it's it, it's a more spread out effort. In basketball, it's still yeah. just whoever the star is. Well, yeah, it's not a, it's not as interesting. I guess. Yeah. So it's just, if you have LeBron James on your team, he is the most important person on your team. Tell I'm tell me you hate the Lakers without saying you hate the Lakers. I'm a Kings fan, so like I feel like I'm obligated to hate the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> so and if you're listening, it's like, how are you a Yankees fan and a Kings fan? I my dad grew up in New York, went to college at Fordham. Yeah, moved to Northern California. Yeah, moved to Northern California. You know, the Knicks weren't very good when I was young, and so he became a Kings fan. Yeah, um, oh the and, Knicks. Oh the Knicks. I <laughs> I was watching that clip. I think it's that movie. What is it? Joy or something like that. Uh, Soul. Soul. Yeah, Soul. 
It's like, I've been messing with this team for decades. And then a club, uh, the, the soul throws something at a person trying to dunk and it's oh the knicks lose a heartbreaker again and it's like oh uh yeah that's we, hurtful we we watched <laughs> we watched that with our with our two-year-old the other day my wife burst out laughing i was like okay i'm gonna leave the room for a little bit and forget forget my team exists <laughs> that was now i gotta admit that was a low blow this is coming Real from low. a king's fan like <laughs> Team the team that didn't make the playoffs for 16 years yeah, thought that seriously. was a low blow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Max, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a great talk, as expected. And yes, the Yankees are going to be fine. This year just sucks. I really hope the prospects succeed because it's it's too exciting. The the future looks too exciting for them not the, to. The farm is good. Believe in this farm. I, yeah. I'm Ryan Garcia, my co-host. Uh, you know, he says it all the time, believe in this farm. And I, I think you should. I think this is yeah, a good farm. Good story. dude, Ryan Garcia. Very uh, good dude. Alec, you got anything to add? No, I'm all set on my end. All right. Uh, are you are you set for giant season yet? Uh cautiously optimistic. Cautiously. I mean, the Eagles are still the best team in the division, but don't you didn't hear that, Kelsey, by the way. <laughs> um, there's but, reason to be optimistic for the Giants. Yeah, though. like yeah. it's uh, the big thing is Daniel Jones is going to have more opportunities to pass. What's he going to do with those opportunities? Can and, he uh, off of last year and keep the turnovers down? If so, it's going to be a good year. All right. And um, my man, Lamar Jackson, getting his second MVP this year. Y'all know it. Ravens flock. Let's go. Uh, Max, so real quick, what's the name of your podcast? Just so everyone can check it out. Uh, it's Caught Looking, a baseball podcast with Max Greenfield and Ryan Garcia. Yes, and if you love pitching, definitely please give it a listen. It is a phenomenal podcast. I almost never miss it. Anyway, uh, Max, thanks again for coming on. I will, and we will talk soon, all right? Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, guys. See you next time.